intention was to do both of these at the same time today. But knowing my propensity to... What's so funny? I know what y'all were thinking. Y'all were going to say long-winded. I know what y'all were going to say. But my word was thorough. I'm going to be thorough, amen? So we're going to split these up into two different, two different categories. We're going to talk today to the lost, and then next week we're going to talk to the saved. See, in this story we find two crowds. Two crowds, the lost and the saved. Uh, the first section is dealing with uh, the lost, and the second section is dealing with the saved. Do you realize in every single church service there are lost people and there are saved people? And let me tell you something. In the same crowd Jesus was dealing with, there are lost people who think they are saved people. And so we want to address that. We want to talk about that a little bit today. And we want to deal with that. There's, there's two crowds in this story. Not only that, there's two calls in this story. There's a call to salvation and there's a call to discipleship. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. Two conditions that he gives out. To the lost, he says, come. And to the saved, he says, follow. Follow. When you come to Christ for salvation, I'm glad there's no, there's no prerequisites. I, I'm glad there's no qualifications. All you got to do is be hungry. Amen? All you got to do is want to know Him and want Jesus, and you can have Jesus. He says, come. But then when you come, He says, if you're going to follow me, this is what's required. So we're going to deal with both of those. Then there's two conclusions. In both of these instances, do you know the lost person is going to miss out? But you know a saved person can miss out on something too. You see, the lost person will have a lost future. But the saved person can have a lost function. And what God intends for him to be and what God intends for him to accomplish. So, let's look at this. Let's jump right in here. Luke 14, in verse number 15. The Bible says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I can't come. <clears throat> I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly under the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said unto the Lord, It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now I'm going to stop there to save some time. We're going to go through the rest of this chapter next week, and we're going to talk about the other side of the deal but let's take these verses that we just read and, and dissect them and work on them here just a little bit today. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. I pray that you'll fill us with an unction from glory. I pray for the anointing of the Most High. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Here we find Jesus addressing a crowd of people, specifically the Jewish people, uh, Jewish religious people. And this crowd of people were very confident in their heritage. They were confident in their bloodline. They were confident that they were God's chosen people. And they had this idea that because they were from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they were good to go. They believed because of who they were. They believed because of their background. They believed because of their lineage and their bloodline that they were God's people and they were going to get in. And Jesus will address this situation. Jesus, in this story, as we are reading it, he is addressing the false assurance and the false confidence that these people had in making it to heaven. They were overconfident. They truly believed, if anybody's going to go, we're going to go. If anybody's going to be there, we're going to be there. And so Jesus tells a story. He tells a story of a man with a feast. And he is illustrating this when it comes to God and salvation. He said, this man made a feast, and he invited those to come. Now remember, in that day, they had pre-invites. They would go invite first to see who would be there and who would be able to come, and then they would go and prepare by the ones who had agreed to come. So these, this crowd of people that we see, these ones that made excuses, they had already previously agreed to come. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. And so now the time is ready. Now the feast is ready. So he goes and sends the servant, sends the servant to go tell everybody, invite them to come. Say, listen, it's all ready. It's all done. Come on and let's celebrate. Come on and let's have our feast. And every one of them made excuse, every single one of them. One excuse after another. And by the way, none of the excuses were legitimate. And by the way, most excuses are not. I love the old, the old black preacher who said an excuse is nothing but laziness wrapped in a lie. Say amen. One made excuse and all of them were flimsy. Every single one of them did not hold water. So the master said this, I tell you what we're going to do. I want you to go out into the highways and hedges. I want you to go out into the streets and the lanes of the city. I want you to go out and get those that nobody else would get. I want you to go find those that no one else would look for. I want you to go to the outcasts. I want you to go to the rejects. And in the illustration and the application of the story, what Jesus is saying is he said, I came to the Jews and they rejected me and now I'm turning to the Gentiles. Are y'all with me? He said, go and find them. Go and bring them. Listen, you can believe this. The blind and the halt and the maimed and the beggars, they couldn't buy anything. They didn't have any money. Uh, most of them would not be given in marriage. They would be outcasts. But Jesus said, go get them. And he said this, I want my house to be full. Compel them. And by the way, the servant in this story is a representation of the church. It is a representation of God's children. 
It is the representation of God's servants. In other words, we are the ones to go out into the highways and hedges. This is the part of church that we need to understand and we need to get. It's about evangelism. It's about going and seeking to save that which was lost. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why do we have those invite cards? Why do we say, go out and tell your neighbor, go out and tell your friends? Because Jesus loves sinners. And we're to go into the world. We're going to seek and to save. He says, I want you to bring them in. I want you to keep bringing them in because my house needs to be full. You know what? There's two things in here that I really love about this story. The first part of this story, the first part of this story, he says, he says, go get them, tell them to come, for all things are now ready. What does that mean? To the lost person, it means this. Everything's done that needs to be done. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on Calvary, he said, it is finished. And he meant it. It is finished. Teledestai, that means everything is accomplished. Everything is done. I don't have to accomplish anything. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is come to him. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord great? Now watch this. I want to speak primarily to the lost folks in here today. And you in here. In a crowd this size, there's no doubt in my mind, we have lost people in the house. And I'm going to just tell you right up in front, right ahead of time, it is my intention for you to come and trust Christ as your Savior today. It is my intention. I want to tell you what God's Word says so that you'll believe in the Word and trust in Christ as your Savior. It will be the greatest day of your life. And I want to especially address those who have a false assurance. I want to especially address those who think you're saved because your mama was saved. Listen, you don't get in because your parents are in. I had a preaching daddy and a shouting mama. And guess what? I was lost. I went to Christian school. I had to memorize verses in the Bible. I had to memorize the books of the Bible. I could tell more about the Bible than what my Sunday school teachers tried to teach me because it was ingrained in me and it was poured into me. Thank God for it. But guess what? I was still lost. I carried a Bible that big. I had cowboy boots and a a polyester suit. Say amen. With collars that would stick out to here. And everybody said, that's the little preacher boy. But guess what? The little preacher boy was lost. Because carrying a Bible doesn't make you saved. Having a saved parent doesn't make you saved. Sitting in the church house doesn't make you saved. Attending Sunday school doesn't make you saved. Memorizing the Bible doesn't make you saved. One day, Jesus came into my heart. He said, listen, you are lost and you are undone and you need me as a Savior. I know you know about me, but I want you to know me. And listen, in that moment, I surrendered my life to God. I said, I don't care what people think I am. I know what I am. And Jesus, I want you to save me. And in that moment and in that hour, he came into my life and saved my soul. Listen, don't leave here lost. And let me say this. Don't leave here religious. Religion will send you to hell. Listen, religion will send you to hell. What's the difference between religion and redemption? 
Religion, you know the rules. You know what to say. You know the, the language of Christianese. Hello? But redeem means I have a relationship. I know him personally. I don't just know of him. I know him. Say amen. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. And out in Fairview, listen, please, I know, I know there's a ton of people out there that doesn't know Jesus. And before this day's over, I hope you know him today. I hope you know him today. Here's some things I want you to know. If you're here today and you're lost, here today and you're lost, here's what I want you to know. And, and, and by the way, we're going to talk to the saved next week. We're going to talk to the saved next week, okay? So here's, here's what I need you to know. Here's what I need every person in this room to know. If you're not saved, here's what I want you to know. Number one, <clears throat> number one, in this story and in this scripture, we find that there is a great invitation. Say that with me. There is a great invitation. I need everybody's help up in the balcony. Say it back. I want to hear you. There is a great invitation. Look what it says. The Bible says in verse, in verse number 16, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. He invited many. And he sent his servant at the supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come. Say that with me. Come. Everybody say it. Come, for all things are now ready to every sinner in the house. I want you to know that there is a great invitation. In the book of Isaiah, it says, Come now. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Preacher, what are you saying? God is sending out a great invitation. You say, what makes this invitation so great? Because it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to have a pedigree. You don't have to have, uh, listen, a great 401K. You don't have to have a great portfolio. All you have to have is a desire to know Him. All you have to have is a desire to be saved. He said, come on now. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care how much baggage you're carrying. He says, come to me. Come to me. I will wash your sin away. I will wash your shame away. I will wash your history away. Everything the world is holding against you, I will wash it white as snow. That's a great invitation. He says, come, let us reason together. Aren't you glad we have a reasonable God? He's a very reasonable God. He will take and reason with you. He's not going to force anything on you. Jesus is a perfect gentleman. He will explain to you why he's the best thing that's ever happened in your life. A great invitation. Not only did he say, come, come and let your sins be washed away. He said this too. He said, come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, some of y'all here today are tired. How many of y'all know there's a difference between tired and tired? You know, there's people wore out today that's carrying the baggage of their past. They're carrying the burden of their, listen, the life they have lived. They're standing in a way wondering or not if God would have anything to do with them. Well, honey, I got good news for you. Jesus loves you. This I know for my Bible tells me so. Are y'all with me? He doesn't care who you are. 
He doesn't care what you did. We were studying in, in, our, in our pastoral epistles uh, uh, lesson this week in TBI. We were talking about the testimony of Paul in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He, he began to tell all that he did and all that he was, a blasphemer and injurious. But he said, oh, the grace of God. Oh, the grace, the manifold grace of God that was bestowed upon me. And this is what he said. He said, the reason God saved me was so I could be a pattern, so I could be an example. And what Paul is saying here, if God can save me, he can save anybody. What a great invitation. What a great invitation. I've had some, some decent invitations in my life, but I have been invited to miss hell. Now, let me refresh your memory. Hell is a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. Listen, hell is a place of unbelievable suffering and sorrow. Listen, hell is a place that the lost people go to. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to miss that place called hell. You know what that is? That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. How many of you had parents that still whooped? Did they ever say, do you want mercy? Let me say, my mom said that, but my dad never did. And she said, I remember, she said, boys, y'all want mercy? And we said, mercy, mercy, mercy. If you ever got whooping like we did, you'd cry for mercy too. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. Now, we deserve the whooping. I guarantee you, me and Joe earned it. We deserved it. But mercy says, no whooping. Now watch this. He invites us to miss hell. But he also, in the same invitation, he invites us to go to heaven. Now missing hell is mercy. That's not getting what we deserve. Now going to heaven is grace. What is grace? Getting what we don't deserve. Don't act like y'all deserve heaven. Street of gold. Walls of jasper. John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Hey, listen, you may be renting now. You may be foreclosed now. But I promise you this, God's inviting you to a place that no one can take from you. To all those who don't know Christ in this building, I want you to know there's a great invitation. There is a great invitation. All right, number two, hurry. Y'all are not listening fast enough. I've got to hurry. All right, number two, write this down. In this story, we see there's a great invitation but then then number two you got to write this down there are no excuses there are no excuses we see three different excuses made here all of them were flimsy listen verse 21 so the servant came and showed the his lord these things then the master of the house being angry said to his servants go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, bringing hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Listen, do you notice that the master 
didn't him haul around about it? He, he didn't say, oh, come on, let's go beg them. Here's the deal. If you don't want it, there's always someone who will. And there are no excuses. I want to give you a verse, and I want you to write this down, and this, this is really important. The Bible says in Romans 14, 11, <clears throat> Romans 14, 11, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee, how many? Every, every knee. Shall, I, that's the ones that's, that's trusted Christ, and that's the ones that have not. Listen, the ones who made no excuse and those who are making excuses. Watch what it says. Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. You can confess now, or you can confess later. But watch this. Here it is. So then, so then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let me tell you, all those people marching in Washington right now, they're going to stand before God. Every atheist is going to stand before God. Every God-hater is going to stand before God. Every dictator is going to stand before God. Every single person who has made an excuse and has procrastinated and has denied the Lord Jesus Christ and has rejected this great invitation, every single individual will stand before God, will kneel before God, and give account for his life. Listen, if you go to the book of Revelation, you'll find out at the great white throne judgment, at the very end of Revelation, you'll find a great white throne judgment. This is the judgment of the lost. The judgment of the lost. The Bible says, the Bible says the books were opened. And another book, which is the book of life. Now, I personally believe, I've heard people say, I've heard people say those books are the records of your deeds and, 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 and the records of our life here on this earth. But I, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I believe when he says the books were open, I believe it's talking about the books of the Bible. I believe it's talking about God's Word because we will be judged according to God's Word. Amen. And it says another book was open, which is the book of life. And all the saved are in the book of life. Yeah. All the lost are not. And listen, everyone will stand before God. And I believe this, the judge, the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, is going to go down the list. And listen, he says, your name is not found in this book your name is not in the lamb's book of life and the reason that is over here sir it says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved yeah. listen joe in your lifetime there's never been a time there's never been a place when you repented of your sins and you called on the name of the lord and because the law the word of god says you must be born again and you never trusted christ depart from me i never knew you and you can tell him you're religious. You can tell him you attended church a couple times at Temple. You can tell him that you had a Bible and it sat on the shelf in your house. You could tell him that you listen to Christian music every now and then. But no excuse will work. No excuse will do. Because there is no excuse for rejecting the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, there's a great invitation. There is a great invitation. You don't have to pay. You don't have to be somebody. 
You don't have to know the right people. This is a great invitation. And number two, there's no excuse for turning it down. There's no excuse. Number three, not only is there a great invitation, not only is there no excuses, then number three, I love this one. This is probably my favorite one. There are no rejections. <clears throat> there are no rejections. Let me, let me read my verse. The Bible says in, in John 6, 37, this is Jesus speaking. In John 6, 37, he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Uh, let me say that again. I will in no wise cast out. No wise. Let's, 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 let's translate that. No form, no shape, no how. For no reason whatsoever. For no history whatsoever. For no background whatsoever. Preacher, you don't know the life I live. You don't know the struggles I've had. You don't know the baggage I carry. You don't know the burdens that burden me down. You don't know the bad stuff that I've done. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you will come to him, he said he will in no wise, no shape, no form, no how cast you out. He says, come to me now. You come. Don't worry about your past. Don't worry about your sin. Don't worry about your history. Don't worry about your stain. Because no matter how dark the stain, no matter how black the stain, his red blood can take black sin and turn it white as snow. No rejection. No rejection. Somebody tried to criticize Temple one time. <clears throat> they did. Church real close to us. They they were going by, they were going by the parking lot, and they saw some, some people coming into the church. And they said, Look at the riffraff going into that place. They probably saw me. I don't know. It was, you know. You know what they were saying? They were saying, that crowd don't look too churchy. Oh, oh, oh listen. If, if your whole crowd looks like Sunday school children, you're not doing your job. I want some rough-looking people in here. I have got my wish. Amen. My prayers have been answered. Hallelujah. Listen, in, 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 at Long Branch Baptist Church, where I pastored in South Carolina, this, it, it was the talk of the town. Because we had two gentlemen in the church. One's name was Paul Allen Owens. Paul Allen Owens. And the other gentleman, the other gentleman, uh, uh, I, his, his name slips from mind today, but they, they were like the rough crowd. Johnny, his name. It had to be Johnny, amen. Johnny Atkinson was his name. And, 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 and they was the rough crowd. They, was the rough, they, were, they were mean as a devil, and the whole church knew it. The whole town knew it. Everybody knew it. But guess what? Paul got saved, and Johnny got saved. And Johnny would sit on the front row, and Paul would sit on the back row. 
And little did I know, it wasn't a year or two before that, they were both in a bar fight against each other. And Paul went to let Johnny up. He said, if you just let me and my brother out of here, we'll go. Paul said, all right. And he come up. And Johnny come up with a knife to cut Paul. And his buddy moved him out of the way. And he cut his, Paul's buddy from his ear down to his chin. Yeah. I didn't know none of that till after they got in. Say amen. And now they're sitting in the house of God. Paul would always sit by the back door, and he'd say, Preacher, let him have it. I won't let him get away. <laughs> He's a big guy. And all the town talked about Paul and Johnny being in the house of God. You know what? That's our target. I want the ones that none of the other churches want. I want, I want the riffraff. Listen, listen, I, I'm all about riffraff. If you're riffraff in here, you're my kind of people. I want the ones that nobody else cares about. You know why? Because that's who Jesus hung out with. That's where Jesus went. He said, go into the highways. Go into the hedges. Go into the places that nobody else will go. Go get the people that nobody else wants. Go get the outcasts. Go get the rejects and bring them into my house. I want my house filled with people. Somebody say amen. If you've been in foundations, if you've been in foundations, you know before the foundations class is over, right at the end, I give you my pet peeve. Now, y'all know I don't have many. I like everybody, and I love everybody, and I want everybody to love me. And, I, 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 you know, I, most of them don't bother me. But there's one thing that bothers me. One of the parts on our, on our church covenant is this, that we warmly welcome all those that come. And if you can't do that, you're in the wrong church. I don't care. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care if they've been on a 10-day drunk and they stagger into the building. We're going to love you like Jesus. We're going to wrap our arms around you. We're going to hug you to death. And we're going to tell you Jesus saves and Jesus can change your life. Jesus can sober you up. He can fix you up. He can straighten you up. He can do miracles in your life. Ho, ho, if you're too highfalutin for that, if your nose, if you're to walk outside, you'd drown. Stay away from Temple Baptist Church. There's plenty of churches out there that are snobby. Find one of them. Or get saved and you can stay. It's up to you. I don't like that. There's more riffraff in this world than your kind of people. Amen. I'm sorry. It's nervous energy again. It bothers me when people look down their nose at somebody. My dad was a complete hoodlum. I mean, um, not, just, not just lost. I'm talking about mean. My dad was a bad guy. I mean, bad. But he had a crowd of people that loved him. Didn't care who he was. Didn't care about it. My dad had two church backgrounds. 
One, when he was a teenager, he got kicked out of church because he wasn't wearing the right clothes. That's why it really irritates me when people think you've got to dress up to go to church. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to wear a suit. I wore this because I like it. I finally was able to get out of dry cleaners. I'm wearing it. <laughs> but you don't have to. So he gets kicked out of church for not having the proper attire. And the second church experience he had, he was siphoning the gas out the cars that were at Revival. That's all he knew about church. That they didn't like what you wear, and they was a free gas station. <laughs> but a crowd of people loved him enough to invite him to church. Even though they knew that he was going to a bar right after he left the church. Except he didn't make it. Because they were people who loved riffraff. And they prayed, and he got saved. And my mom got saved. And because my mom and my dad got saved in that church service, he never went to another bar. And he has a son that's preaching the gospel every week in Coleman, Alabama. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care how much of a mess your life is in. There are no rejections. You come to Christ, he'll take you. And now, hey, let me be more specific. Come to temple, we'll take you too. Can we give God praise and glory? Give him praise, Fairview. Give him praise. Lastly, lastly, let's wrap this up. I'm probably already in trouble, amen. <laughs> Listen, number one, there's a great invitation. Would you all agree with that? Amen. There's a great invitation. Number two, there are no excuses. There are no excuses. Number three, listen, there are no rejections. Thank the Lord. He said, get the riffraff. Get the outcast. Go find them. Get them out of the street. Bring them in. There's no rejection. Then number four, and this is it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, up in the balcony, if you don't know Jesus, listen, here's the last one. You've got to get this. There is no delay. Amen. He tells the servant, go out quickly. Quickly. This is a time-sensitive situation. Now, we know in that day... It was all about the refrigeration. There was no refrigeration. They would cook a, a ready meal at the time. And you see, the invitation was this, come, and, and things are ready, here we, and they rejected it. And now here we have all of this food. All of these preparations that's going to go bad. You've got to go get them quick. You've got to go get them quick. And you say, what's the application? We're the servants. You see, salvation is time-sensitive. It's time-sensitive. Let me give you a verse. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now, say it with me, now, say it with me, Fairview, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not when you feel like it. Not when you think you're going to get around to it. Not after you sow your wild oats. Guess what? 
There are people in the grave of all ages. There are people who've died early. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised to make it to 20. You're not promised to make it to 30. You're not promised to make it to 40. You're not promised to make it to 50. You're not promised to make it to tomorrow. One of our church family this morning passed away this morning. Had every intention in being at church at Fairview this morning. And now we have a grieving family, a broken family. You know why? Nobody's promised tomorrow. What a sad situation. Thank God she's saved. But let me tell you guys, I, I remember I remember preaching a particular service several years ago. And a young man, <clears throat> 17 years old, 17 years old, he comes and he gets saved on a Sunday morning. Josh, you would remember if I told you his name. He was, a, he was a cool young man, just a great guy, so excited about church. And back then we had Sunday night services at the time, and, and he, was coming, he was coming down 222, or not 222, what's the road going to Jasper? 69? 69. He was coming down 69, and he was going a little bit too fast. And his truck ran off the road, and he went sideways, and he flipped it several, several times. And he, and, he, and he went out into eternity in between the morning service and the evening service. His mother called me that afternoon right after it happened, and she said she told me what had happened, and I was kind of in shock. What do you mean? I'd just seen him. What do you mean? I just talked to him. I just, I just, we just talked right after church. What? What's the point? There's no delay. There's no procrastination. Let me tell you what's happened today. And you listen to me good. The moment that I said that I'm going to be speaking to the lost today, the Holy Spirit began to work in some of your hearts right now. I, I, I hadn't even got into the message yet, but the Holy Spirit already started working because He wants you to be saved. And through this whole message, God's been dealing with you. Say, but preacher, you know, everybody thinks I'm saved. So? Everybody thought I was saved. I could quote any Bible verse just about you wanting me to. I could tell you all the books of the Bible. I could do all of those things. I look like a little preacher. And you know what I decided? I ain't going to hell for nobody. I don't care who thinks I'm saved or who don't think I'm saved. I know what I am. And I know what God's telling me in my heart. And I trusted Christ. Listen, eternity's a long time. And I want you to come. I want to do this. I want every head bowed. And y'all stay with me at Fairview. I want every head bowed out in Fairview, out in, in the balcony, down on the floor. I'm speaking to you right now. If that's you, if I just described you, if the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you, listen, our altar workers are coming. In Fairview, our altar workers are finding their place to the altar. If God is dealing with you this morning, and everyone else, if you're not an altar worker in music, try to be as still as you can. This is the most important part of the service. If God is dealing with you right now, I'm going to pray for you. You say, preacher, I'm not 100% sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. I'm not 100% sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? Just slip your hand up. No one's looking around. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in the world. Just slip your hand up right where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. I see the hands on my right. 
I see the hands. I see the hand way up in the balcony. I see you. I see you. Anybody else in the middle? God bless you. Out in the back. I see you on the bottom floor. I see you in the front. I see you in the front over on my left. God bless you. I see y'all up in the balcony. I see you in the balcony. I see you in the middle. 